Hello and welcome to the Mike O'Brien show. New edition was quickly cut out this week. I, I love the candy girl song. That is my jam. I am in Boston, Massachusetts. That's why I love my new edition with me as always is Jeff Taylor. He is in celebration, Florida. Jeff Taylor, how's things in Florida? They're warm, which is a change from a few days ago for me. I'm going to be down there in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited. I'm going to be sleeping on your couch or in your guest room or the pullout. I don't know. One of the things I'll we'll figure out. out. Yeah, you will. And today we have a special guest, Mike Sangiamo. He is a, a radio uh, personality in Long Island uh, for Max FM. Mike, how are you today? I am good. But if you uh, live in New York, you will know that you live on Long Island. We even have T-shirts to that effect. Yeah. Yes. This is one of my favorite debates. The in the on. I hate I used to work at Disney World and I would always say stand in line. And then the stand online, I it's in line. You're in Long Island. You're not on Long Island. I I just I don't know what is the I, this is one of those big debates that everyone talks about in Long Island on Long Island. Why is it on Long Island? Defend that, Mike. Because it's on an island. We live on an island. It is an island, and you live on the island. You don't live in the island. It's an island in the state of New York, and we live on the island. So let me My ask you this. Let me exploded. ask you this. So are, is there a subway system that's below ground on Long Island? No. That's well, right. Geographic Long-, Long Island, yes, in Queens, because you live in Queens, you live in Brooklyn, but you live on Long Island. And so- the subway trains that run under uh, the geographic piece of land that is Long Island, they run under Queens and Brooklyn. Not so I, under, on Long but Island. are you in Long Island when you're on those trains? No, no. All right. No, I'm just trying to get you'd to be in Brooklyn and Queens. <laughs> so I went to the Belmont many years ago. Was I in Long Island or on Long Island? You were on Long Island at Belmont. Was I near Long Island? Yes. Well, you were on Long Island. You were in Long Island, too. You were on oh. end in that in that particular regard. You were on and in Long Island because you listen, man, I'm not an English professor. I don't know really much about it. I'm just telling you it's what the people tell me to say. And so I say it. It's this like if I were in Peabody by you, Michael. Yeah, you'd be in Peabody. You wouldn't be on. No, but I, that's the same thing. I guess I'd be Martha Vineyard, Nantucket. I'd be in I, Peabody. I'm, I would always say if someone called me and asked me where I was, I would say, oh, I'm in Martha's Vineyard. I wouldn't say on Martha's Vineyard. And you're probably right. And they're much richer over there, although there are some rich parts of Long Island. And get this, you could be living on Long Island and then take the train and then you'd be in Manhattan, which is also an, an island. So, that's hey, man, I don't mind. get it. I went to the Belmont many years ago. It took me four hours to get out of there. And we we're walking through parts of Queens to get to a subway. That was the fact that I'm still alive is uh, l- literally the next like week. There was uh, someone got stabbed in the back at a McDonald's at a McDonald's that we stopped at on the way there. And I was just like, nice. This is great. This is great. If you, if you make your way back to that area, you wouldn't recognize it. They built a huge arena right on the grounds of uh, the Belmont racetrack. The uh, UBS arena and so, uh, totally did, unrecognizable. Did they tear down the Nassau Coliseum? Nope. Nassau Coliseum still exists and it still hosts shows. Uh, there's a monster League truck rallies, right? Team. Monster, monster truck will be there. Uh, they just they regularly have the Long Island Nets uh, minor league basketball affiliate. They play their games there. Is that the uh, G so League? Still a thing. I not 100 percent sure. It, it, I just is, know. The, we it do is the G League. It, and and uh, it's awesome that the G League is. It has become what it has become, which we will be discussing later in the show, Michael O'Brien. 
The main uh, Celtics now, not the Red Claws. I, I want to ask you a question, Mike, and and answer this if you feel comfortable. But why? Why? I thought that uh, the Islanders were going to play in the Barclays Center. Why did they feel that they needed to have a whole new arena built? This is a question for me or the other Mike? For you. Oh, I don't really know. I think that the the Barclays Center it just wasn't the right geography for the long for the Islander fan. It getting into Brooklyn, it. it it just wasn't something that was a, a pleasurable experience. Uh, I've only been to one show at Barclays Center, and I didn't really find it impressive. So I'm happy that the that they did build another arena, but I wish they just would have knocked down the NASA Coliseum and built something massive there. It's much easier to get to uh, if you live on Long Island. I heard the reason why the Islanders left the Barclays Center was, one, because the players were all living in Long Island. And they were complaining about like some guys would literally just take the train in because they're like, it'll take me four years to get there if I drive. So the players were literally taking the train in and out of the games. And then the arena wasn't set up like there's some arenas like uh, the old the old arena in Orlando wasn't set up properly for hockey. So like the stands are really far away. I want to say also that from what I heard, I have to look up this. Of course, this is just me just coming up with things off the top of my head that the rink wasn't an official sized NHL rink like it was off like inches or something like that because they couldn't the way the arena was set up and the seats were set up they couldn't put a full official NHL rink in there like it was slightly slightly off to the point it wasn't a big deal but the fact it was it was a huge uh topic of conversation on uh, sports talk radio here in New York and I heard that same rumor that the arena was not built with ice hockey in mind I don't know if they never got the the regulations correctly, uh, the size. It seems like they would, but I did know that there were a lot of blind spots. There were a lot of points where the puck would go into the corner, and depending on where you were sitting, more people in that arena couldn't see it than in a in a regular hockey arena. I mean, that happens. The, the, the as I still call it, the Fleet Center in Boston was set up for hockey. It's owned by the Bruins owner, and it's still you can't see if you sit. See, it's the funny thing about hockey. You sit close in hockey and you think you have amazing seats. You can't see three quarters of the game only on the glass. If you're if you're if you're on the if you're on the glass anywhere from the blue line to the blue line, you can see hockey perfectly from the seats right behind the glass. Whenever I go to see hockey, I sit in the second uh, level because that's the best view for hockey. I think the best view for hockey is behind the net in the 300s. It's almost like you actually see how they do plays. Because when you just watch hockey, it just seems like it's yeah. a cluster F and guys are just like, oh, slapping. But at, you, like don't know the, you don't know the puck has gone into the net until you see them celebrating, though, which from the yeah. second level, eh. you can see the puck go in. Yeah, that's true. But I love being behind the net because you actually see everything uh, uh, go. Mike, did you grow up in, in Long Island, on Long Island? I grew up in Queens, Queens, Ooh, New York, Queens, Queens royalty. That's nice. So <laughs> Jets, Mets, Islanders fan for Queens. Nope. I am a Giants fan and a Rangers fan. And with baseball, I go back and forth. I have friends on both sides of the Mets Yankees debate. And in uh, basketball, I'd say I'm a Nick fan, but basketball is probably the one that I like the least. Interesting. Yeah, I've uh, it's so weird. I mean, New York, I don't mind if you pick, but Connecticut is, is, I mean, we've discussed this on the show. Connecticut has on my list of shame. I can't stand Connecticut whatsoever, how they get to just pick New England, New York, tri-state area, New England, screw everyone from Connecticut, except the couple that I know and like. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a little bit of fake fandom that could be applied to uh, the folks up there 
in Connecticut, but so you're on the air on uh, Max FM in Long Island. What what do you do in uh, on Max FM and various other stations? Are you let me music? let me let me talk? let me let me jump in here because <laughs> oh, Jeff is going to explain his give give uh, Mike Sanjiamo. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to here. talk about this. I'm going to discuss it. <laughs> Don't talk about your job, Mike. <laughs> Big Mike is a personality. He's on oh. the air, and let me tell you something. When I say personality, I don't mean it in the sense of he's on the air. I mean it. This dude is a personality. When I first met Mike, he was doing a podcast called the Big Mike Radio Program, and uh, I had him on The Box, which used to be my podcast. I was doing podcasts before Joe Rogan. Before mm-hmm. I was doing podcasts, I, I feel like I might have invented podcasts other than the fact that I got the idea from Kevin Smith, who may probably have invented podcasts. But uh, he came in and and he's a friend of a friend is how I met Mike. Uh, my buddy Greg, who uh, I spend a lot of time with, grew up with Mike and he brought Mike in. And oh, my God, this guy, he has an incredible personality. I can't explain him more than that. Like, I think he could be a comedian. I think he could be a, a radio host. He's, but he's basically he's a personality. Would you I confirm or deny your personality, Mike? I would I would agree with it. Uh, obviously, I, I need to add more money to the check that I regularly pay Jeff to give me introductions <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, that's a good way to say it. I I, I don't really fit. I, I mean, I'm quite large, uh, as you could tell from Big Mike, but I don't really fit in, in one specific spot. And every job I've ever had is the same way. And this job here working for the radio station group is no different. Uh, I I try to do what I can to be memorable and by being memorable, I hope that we can help the radio station grow an audience. It's funny Whoa. because the listen, everywhere Mike has worked in the past, he's a personality. So you're the first thing that I know about is Subway. And mm-hmm. Mike mm-hmm. worked in I think you were a sandwich artist at first, but then you, you got into doing artist. the promotion, the promotion side of it. So you'd go out to like hockey and football and baseball and you would be the subway guy, correct? Did you find Jared? Are you taking responsibility for Jared? I am not taking responsibility for Jared. Unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, I did uh, know Jared uh, as as part of anybody that worked in the subway business at that time. You had an opportunity to run into him at uh, events and so forth. Uh, but I didn't start out as a, as a sandwich artist. I actually got my job with Subway, as strange as the sound, because I invented, I created, I started the unofficial Subway restaurant fan club with my friends in Queens uh, in 1995. I know that sounds made up. And every time I had to tell the story, it sounds like I'm sounds uh, like Bobby Valentine saying he invented the wrap sandwich. (laughs) Uh, I can't explain it. It just was something that obviously I love food. I love sandwiches and I love Subway sandwiches specifically. I I know that that type of uh, comment gets a lot of uh, reaction from people, especially these days, because it's much more. It doesn't. But you're from New York. Well, there was a specific reason why. And obviously, I think it's more of a connection to my friends and all the time we spent hanging out. And what was cool about going to Subway back in those days in the 90s was that there weren't that many Subway restaurant locations. Obviously, that was not the case after 2001 when they just exploded. But there were literally only 15 Subway restaurants on geographic Long Island, three in Queens. And it was far enough away from our house that we could take the bus to it. So when you don't have a car and you're not old enough to drive, you're looking for things to do. You're looking to hang out. You're looking for some freedom. That's what we did. We got on the bus and we went to Subway and we hung out. They had three footlongs for $9.99 and free refills. And for a fat kid from Queens and his buddies, 
There ain't nothing like it. Yeah, that's uh, growing up in Northampton. There was some weird deal on like Thursdays because we go after football practice. My dad, my brother and I, we go to Subway and yeah, it was like three sandwiches for 10 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And get a foot long yeah. meatball. And uh, yeah, Subway was awesome. And then one day, I don't know what happened. If there was it's almost like, you know how Domino's used to suck. And have you had Domino's recently? Domino's have is amazing it, yes. now. It made, it's, they, they it's amazing. Totally changed their product. Yeah. And it, and I'm a student of that as well. But same thing. Yeah. I Subway I, did the opposite. Subway's garbage now. The the I mean, obviously, there's more people that could probably talk more astutely on Subway's history. But the real problem over there is that I primarily left the company uh, regularly. Just kidding. Not me. Uh, <laughs> the CEO, the, the guy who founded Subway restaurants, passed away. Uh, about seven, with his seven years during ago. this difficult time. <laughs> I mean, talk about this guy was a billionaire, multi-billionaire, and he got cancer and he died. And after that, the 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 place is kind of, you know, cut back on a lot of different things. So uh, it's not as good as it used to be. But I'll still find a really good, a well, very good, well-run Subway restaurant and still get a delicious sandwich made. It still happens. It's, I heard what's, on, more, I heard what's more sad because Papa John's went through the same thing. The guy didn't die, but he did say the N word on a phone call that was recorded. And then everybody played for the world. The fact that that guy said the N word, would you rather die or be known as the guy that said the N word? Are we putting Jared into this as possible? No, 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 no. no he wants to be Jared. Jared doesn't even want to be Jared. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd say probably be the guy who died. I mean, at least at least that point, it's it's over. Yeah, it's over, Johnny. Hey, it's over. so so the the first ever that I heard of Mike was a long time ago. I want to say it was probably like 2004, 2005 ish. And mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. because my buddy Greg, who at the time wasn't my friend, we, we could talk about that forever, but we won't go into it. But we've become very close when at that time we weren't very close, but we were close enough for him to demand that I go to Subway at Disney where I worked and get the feast sub. Yeah. Oh, man. Do yeah, you remember like that, that, Mike? I do remember that. Not yes, you. I, do I know you oh, remember sorry. it. I'm talking to the other Mike. We need to change our name. Yeah. Say, 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 I'm going to call something. you O'Brien and I'll call okay. the other one. So Sam wait, Jonah. you said that we went to Subway and I don't really remember going. I remember going to Wendy's in that pizza place all the time for lunch. I don't really remember going to Subway. Well, for they, lunch. well I think I think when Eisner's wife took over catering, they or her uh, well, not catering. You know what I mean? When she took over feeding the cast, <laughs> they added subways to all of the little areas. So there was a subway in every little eatery. So oh, that must have been after me. I, I think uh, it was because I think that happened in around 2003, 2004. But uh, he was demanding that I go get the feast. Do you remember the feast from Subway? Mike I do not. But it sounds like it's one of those turkey sandwiches with stuffing and everything. I love that. Now, tell, tell him what <laughs> tell him what's on it. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Jeff. The feast was the biggest sandwich Subway ever offered. And it was a strange confluence of circumstances that got it onto the national menu. And it was there for over seven and a half years and is still like a secret menu item. People on TikTok do it all the time. The Feast is an Italian-American sandwich created by an Italian-American, the greatest Subway fan of all time, Big Mike Sanjamo. You start building the Feast in Italy with some pepperoni and Genoa salami. Then you make the long journey all the way back to America with a transitional layer of ham. Finish it off with some savory turkey breast and good old fashioned American roast beef. When it's all said and done, over three quarters of a pound of meat and cheese on a foot long. The Feast of San Giamo. Now that's a sandwich. Subway. Eat feast. Was that the actual was that the actual commercial? 
So from 2005 to 2007, that was the, it was, it was a local product and that was what ran on local subway radio, like a, a, you know, a private label radio that we had inside the stores. And then it, when it went national, they change it from the feast to San Jamo to just the feast. And uh, the person that did the commercials was actually Peter Griffin from the family guy. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so wait, Peter Griffin, that's that's Seth MacFarlane, right? Yeah. So yeah, and, uh, oddly I, enough, I drove Seth MacFarlane once. He's a really cool dude. It was so it was the year that the writers strike happened. And it was the last thing that Seth MacFarlane did before the right before he went on strike uh, as the voice of Peter Griffin was was record that subway commercial, which really wasn't a great subway commercial. And I was pissed that they used a big fat white guy, but not me. Yeah. Uh, but hey, what are you going to do? It's and I'm then still happy to see it in all corporate things like that. You got you didn't get any extra money for coming up with that whatsoever. Not at all. It, yeah. I was able to capitalize on crap. it. I was able to capitalize on it and and continue to do so mostly by uh, in telling that story in like corporate speech type ways. Like I've been brought around to meetings to tell that story and also I highlight leadership and local marketing and brand building and in copywriting. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did look at you can't copyright the 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 recipe. It you know like there was oh, nothing I could get. No, you can't. There's no see. There's that's no, why there's no way to do it. That's why they changed it from the feast of San Giamo to just the feast the because feast. if they called it the feast of San Giamo, then they'd have to pay you. Uh, I think they still probably wouldn't have paid me, but the real reason that nobody knows of why they took my name off it is because they're fools. Yeah, that too. That's why I agree. My best friend, I might've told, I tell this story all the time. My best friend, uh, from Northampton married this woman who's constant. Her dad, um, invented pull-up diapers. He was like a scientist for, for huggies and Mm -hmm. they hired him to come up with like some diaper. Abby, Abby was the first uh, baby to ever wear pull-up diapers. I want to say he, she was even brought to the pitch meeting wearing pull-up diapers. And all he has, he ha- I've seen it. He, it's in his house. is just this plaque, like, thanks. <laughs> and it's a plaque. Well, and he yeah. literally generated billions of dollars for the business. And he got like a $75 plaque saying, hey, great job. I was, go, Bob. <laughs> I was at Greg Franco's house less than a month ago, and it was actually probably two weeks ago. And he brought out the the, the feast, replica. the replica feast, and uh, that's all there is to show for that one too. There, Mike, right? There, well, there's a rid- ridiculous story behind the replica as well, because when they when I got the phone call that hey, Fred DeLuca, the CEO, is trying the feast because they were looking for a big product, and and I got the phone call, hey, this is going to happen. I I vigorously tried to sell them on the idea of of creating of of having the restaurants make the sandwich every day, make it beautifully, and put it at the point of order because it was the it was the pizza mentality. If you've ever gone to a pizzeria, I know it's in, it was always in vogue in New York, but now it's in vogue everywhere where the the slices are under glass. Mm-hmm. So I'd go into a pizzeria looking to get two pepperoni slices and maybe a sausage slice. But then I'd see all these different kinds of pizzas, specialty pizzas under the glass and it would blow my head back. And I'd say, well, now give me one of those. I would get a salad slice. Me, I'd get a salad slice just because <laughs> it looked good. So I told them you should put it at. So then they said, we're going to do that. But what they found was they were making the sandwich every day, throw one in the garbage every morning. But the, the sandwich wouldn't hold up throughout the day. That's why then the company invested I think it was like $1.3 million 
in creating these replicas that were put in every Subway restaurant at the point of order. So that was another thing. And the company believed in it. And yeah, those replicas still exist. And I, I have the prototype. I have the, I have the actual prototype one of the original replica feast and it's worth nothing. It's just everything. I have no money. Very poor. Very poor. One day, bro. Keep, hold this on to is that an thing. amazing story. <laughs> Ridiculous. Jeff kind of gave me the cliff notes version on this. And I was just like, whatever. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. This, this story blew my mind. I love well, this. this is I, yeah. It's, I love telling it. And I've, I've told it a lot. And there was NY, a student at NYU did a little documentary about it. And it's crazy. And it, but it all did lead me to here. Now I work in broadcast because one of the other things I got to do with Subway was uh, do voiceovers for commercials. And that was really the beginning of hey i think i yeah i don't have a voice like a pipsqueak i i think i can go in there and do this it's and distinct. i had the opportunity and it worked and i i was i did voiceovers for some commercials and then pretty soon uh i i i transitioned into doing some broadcast stuff and making my way over here now i'm over here now so over so here. so mike o'brien's been a comedian for how many years I'm not I, as I refer to people. I do comedy. I've been doing comedy for about twelve years, yeah, thirteen okay. you years. Do comedy on, I started you when do I was comedy on Long Island. Years. Got it. <laughs> I've never, I've never done comedy on Long Island. Actually. We can get you down to Governor's. Uh, I know the people over at Governor's. Don't yeah, I do that one hundred percent. The uh, but any, anyway, have you ever been on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show, Mike, as a comedian for all these years? Me? Yeah. No. Have you, no, Mike? I know writers of the show. I know, I know, I knew guys who wrote for the show, but I've no, I've never, I've never been on Jimmy Fallon. Have you ever or been on Jimmy it? Fallon? I, I use the wrong Jimmy, maybe Big Mike, but have you ever been on one of those shows? Uh, uh, Tonight Show with Jay Leno, when it was that's Jay it. Leno, not Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Uh, and that was that's another strange story that it, it all starts with just. Put, I want you to close your eyes for a moment, relax yourself, and picture me, Big Mike, three hundred and eighty pounds or so in my underwear, wait, wait, and then bathing in milk. And that's how I got on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno as part of a student film, uh, which then led to the book because I did that. And it's it's a it's great. I don't know how much O'Brien well, knows well, about that. Well, I, I know nothing about this. So oh, okay. so what happened, no, nor do if anyone is listening to this. I don't <laughs> yes, think I'm anyone. Very, not well, no, they're, they're, we're, we're they're international. Their about this yeah, what, and now all of a sudden, now they're now, puking it up. Because they have a 380 pound guy in milk. How did you get in milk? How did you get to the Jay Leno show with milk in and what happened? What now that you say that you're 380 pounds because we can't see you on the Zoom link um, or you were 300. How weren't you the Jared? You weren't a child molester. Why didn't they pick you to do this? I know. I think it was specifically because I wasn't a child molester. I, I yeah. little did we know that was in the prerequisites. It was in the fine print of their contract. Yes. Uh, uh, no, the real reason why I was never at Jared is because I, you know, I, I wasn't going to go eat a veggie sandwich. Like I was getting point. double meat meatball with extra bacon, extra mayonnaise. I get a veggie patty and add bacon and mayonnaise. And I guess that's why things never really worked out for me. Uh, the how I ended up uh, on The Tonight Show was it was it was a connection through uh, the subway world. My boss at the time had a son and he was in the NYU film school and I was kind of like his muse he'd put me in everything that he was doing he he would write stories for me and i would act them out and yeah i was in the film that got him into nyu film school and he came to me with this proposition one day and he said that they're going to uh there's a, a little uh 
there's a film festival. And if we make a 90 second short using these three specific words, we could get on the tonight show. If we win it, we'd be on the tonight show. So we put this story together uh, about a fat guy who smells and, but he's going to bathe in milk to get rid of his smell. And, <laughs> and then his hair is going to fall out because of the uh, milk. Uh, and we shot it on a little handheld uh, you know, camcorder thing that you had to do it because they were sponsoring it. And, and we won. We won, and then we were flown out to uh, L.A. to be on The Tonight Show, and that was in uh, March of 2010. And you were sitting in milk on The Tonight Show, or did they just show the clip of you sitting in milk on The Tonight Show? They, they showed the movie. They showed 90 seconds, but the entire video, it's called Double Stuffed Dunk and because I'm fat and mm-hmm. it was going in milk. And they just showed the movie, but it's just me. And a voiceover me. So for 90 seconds, the millions and millions of people that were watching the tonight show that day, it was just 90 seconds of big Mike. And I I was there, I was in studio. Uh, It was, it was an incredible experience. Of course, the the one point where they put me on camera, because I was off, they had the director on the show and I was off camera and in studio, they, they went to me and big Mike's here tonight. And the whole place went wild. And, I got a lot of applause and people took pictures with me and stuff, but they cut it from the broadcast. Like, ah. so, uh, yeah, always, Leno, always come so close. Did uh, Jay Leno intro you like, did you, did you see the fat guy with the milk? Yeah. Yeah. The, he, he's, he, he's talking the way it happened was he's, he's talking to the director of the film, this guy, Sanjay and, and Roper from even and Roper is there and they're critiquing the film. And they're like, this is my favorite. This is the best one. And Jay Leno's like, yeah, and I talk, talk about Big Mike. Uh, Big Mike's here tonight. Big Mike. And then they put the lights on and I did my Hulk Hogan poses and it was <laughs> it was incredible. It was so an you incredible got to meet experience. Jay Leno, though. Yeah. And, and the way it led to the book was seriously, as as the show ends, I'm walking backstage. I bump into Jay Leno walking off stage and I, I joke with him because up to that point, I've always been a fat person, but I was always a, a shy fat person. I would never let myself be seen without a shirt on. I was always that guy wearing a shirt in the pool and I didn't like being around crowds and and stuff. So I joked with them and I said, well, uh, Mr. Leno, I guess that means it's going to be hard getting dates from now on. Now that the whole world has seen me in my underwear. And he said the phrase, welcome to showbiz kid. And yeah, to be a fat kid from Queens, uh, to hear that from the host of the tonight show. I mean, this is, you know, Jackie Gleason was on the tonight show. Yeah, and yeah. he says, "Welcome to showbiz." It kind of like it was very liberating because at that point, then I was like, you know what? Instead of being so ashamed of being fat, I'm going to. Uh, I had it planted the idea to let me let me write this book about my experiences up to that point in my life, which is what I did. So, I, what's this? What's this book's name? Uh, Jeff, were you going to say something, Jeff? Sorry. Go ahead and say the name of the book first. All right. The name of the book is "The Fattest Guy in the Room." 10 reasons why being fat sucks and three reasons why it ain't so bad. <laughs> That's quite the title. I was going to say, can you still, can, can this book still be purchased? Yes, it can at a discount at breakthescale.com. Nice. Uh, I want to, I want to say this is a, gr- I've read this book uh, and I thought it was a great book, but I always tell Mike, I wish you guys would have sent it to me to edit. <laughs> yeah, it was uh well, it was my first four. Is there a lot of fat in this book? Hey, oh, no, it didn't need to be edited down content wise. It needed to be properly grammatized and punctuated. 
Yeah, no, edit. no, definitely give definitely give a book to be edited by a kid who never graduated from high school. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's That's strange the first that, thing they tell you when you write a book is make sure someone who never graduated high school reads the summer <laughs> But it, it's funny because when the book comes up, uh, and Jeff always does say that. And yes, th- that is probably the biggest regret of, of the book and having this be the first thing that I did. Uh, that it was not edited properly. I really did think that the publishing house was going to do a much better job of editing it. But uh, it was also the same thing that my mother always said. So then when the book came out, my mother did read it. And every time the book came up, exactly like Jeff, she says, listen, great book. I wish you didn't you know, call people in, in my side of the family names because I, I do talk poorly about some of my family members. But my mother was always to the day she died, she was like, I really wish you would have let me edit that book because <laughs> there's there's just like there's stupid, you know, there's stupid grammatical errors. Here's here's the beauty, here's never... the beauty of that, though, Mike, is that you can always re-release an edited version of that book. And I think at some point you should definitely consider doing that, because I think once your career has taken off more, I think people are going to want to look back on that. And there definitely is an opportunity to, if not add more because more in your life has happened but go back yeah, and have that yeah. book re-edited because i would love to read it again but i cannot put myself through it again <laughs> well there is an audio version or i could just it's short enough that i could just come to your house and read it one evening if oh, you'd that like sounds good absolutely See, now, I, would, I will have to be in my underwear bathing in milk while i do it i have a lot of milk i have a See cow how- i have a cow out back i milk myself and uh <laughs> she's ready to go uh, Jeff and Mike just recently came back from Jamaica, man. Where, where were you in Jamaica? Were you doing uh, bobsledding? What was happening down there? Actually, you know, they do still have that bobsled, bobsled course there, and Jamaica still does try to have a team in the Winter Olympics bobsledding. Just you, the last one they did, I remember. Yeah, you can go there, actually, and bobsled if you uh, pay a fee, but I, my balls are not big enough to go Jamaican bobsledding. <laughs> no shit. Dude. That sounds scary um, to me. My my balls uh, are too big to go. <laughs> they they drag. Uh, it's almost like at Mount Tom in uh in in Holyoke growing up. They had the alpine slide, which you just slide. It's basically like bobsledding, where you just but it's no snow. You just slide down on a a freaking. I don't even know why. I refuse to do it. They, Everyone they don't just have had, snow in Jamaica either, so it's probably yeah, exactly the same thing. So it's like the alpine slide. My friend Ken Childs, one of my best friends, my whole life. He always wanted to get into sports journalism. But he was like, I have no experience. So what do I do? He started just covering bobsledding and luging. And now he's like the number one expert. He around the Olympics, he gets on national um, shows all over the world. They call him up on TV, everything to talk about niche, bobsledding and luging. Niche yeah, is the best, man. If you find a niche, you're yeah. good to go for a long time. So, so what you guys go down to Jamaica for? We were there to promote sandals, and uh, it's interesting because Mike and I, our our lives cross paths, and uh, in an interesting way, when he came to meet me at when I worked at Disney, and then who'd have thunk it that uh, you know not that many years, but years later, we would be out on these promotional broadcasts together. Something I've been doing for a long time. And uh, I tell you what, he he came in and took the place over because the company that brings the radio stations out, he's pretty much a given on all of these things now. So anytime I'm lucky enough to be the guy that captures the the promotional broadcast, I get to hang out with Mike. And uh, a funny story from this past time 
was uh, we have kind of a cocktail party that happens because two radio, two sets of radio stations come in. One comes in for Monday and Tuesday broadcast, then they leave on Wednesday, and then they're broadcast on Thursday and Friday. And on Wednesday, they throw this big cocktail party of the stations that are departing and the stations that are coming in. And uh, it was out on the beach, and they had a band playing, and the band brought up, uh, picked people out of the audience to come up and do a dance. And uh, Mike and I were both chosen for this dance. And the next morning, my wife texts me a video and says, you're trending on social media <laughs> from this dance. This dance was called the Lego My Bird. What? So what? what explain the Lego My Bird. What did you did, did Big Mike pick you up like dirty dancing? No, no, no. What there, were, there were a bunch the of Jamaican dancers, but you may be able to explain it better than me, Mike. Yeah, well, they what me and Jeff, they stood us next to each other at center stage and we're like, this is also a representation of the number 10. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, yeah, I'll be at the comedy pouch at Newark Thursday through Sunday. Uh, waiters and waitresses. To, to be honest with you, it was it, I'm not a very good dancer, so I didn't really understand it, but it was four repetitive moves. Uh, you could very tribal appearing and you're waving your arms and flailing about and twisting around. Uh, but. Once they put us on stage, it didn't really matter. We were standing next to the experts and the experts really knew what they were doing. But it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of effort, a lot of movement, but uh, any, anything for a party, any, anything to make people smile. All right. So I've had discussions about this. And uh, interestingly, it's called Lego My Bird, which if I can translate from uh, Patois to English means let go of my penis. <laughs> wow. See, I don't even know. Yeah, it's, I didn't know uh, it was that kind of party. So everything in Jamaica seems to be innuendo of a sexual nature, and it was. So we were up there doing the "Let Go of My Penis" dance, and uh, I feel like we both shone. I uh, I got a lot of compliments on my on my dancing, and I don't often get those because, as I've always said, just because I can't dance doesn't mean I won't dance. And now, it's ironic that the that the messaging was to to let go of my bird. Because when I got off the stage, all I'm doing, quite frankly, is in search of someone to try trying to get somebody to grab my bird. Doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, it never happens. I, I think that the people who came up that with that dance uh, don't have the issue of uh, trying to get women to grab their bird. It's it's definitely like, all right, honey, let go of my bird. Now yeah. I can tell. Uh, sadly, uh, our, our dozens and dozens of of listeners to the Michael Bryan show uh, don't have the Zoom feed, but I can tell that Big Mike has recently come back from Jamaica because, like a sixteen year old girl coming back from uh, uh, <laughs> February uh, break, instead of him having the bead uh, braids in his uh, hair because he has no hair on top of his head, he only has a big beard. He has. Uh, the Jamaican flag beads in his his big beard, which it's you were leaning close to the to the uh, camera, so I couldn't see it, and then you finally lean back. Yeah, and there you go. He's got the uh, he's got the the big beads. Yes, he'd be all the rage at uh, JFK Middle School back in uh, 1994. If he <laughs> the, the, the kicker is, I've been I've been traveling uh, for broadcasts since 2017, and I it was something I did in Jamaica the first time. And I really kind of like it a lot. I even braid and put beads in my beard. Even when I'm home, I found uh, different places uh, that'll that'll do it. It's hard to find a place on Long Island, in Long Island, of Long Island, to get somebody to braid your beard and put beads in it. But is Jamaica I Queens on Long Island? 
Jamaica Queens is on Long Island. And I did go Jamaica Queens was where I grew up. And that was exactly where I went first. But I think I even have audio of walking into Jamaican hairstyling places trying to explain what it is I wanted. And they just turned me away. I, I, I don't know why. I can't imagine. Maybe there's a weight limit on the chair. I don't know, but <laughs> we're we're looking into it. But I did find a couple of places and I, I love having to me. And it wasn't about coming back like a 16 year old girl. To me, it was coming back like a pirate. To me, yeah. I was a pirate. I like pirates. I'm uh, I, I have a very sad life and I love pirates. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sad life. It's I like an accoutrement. Pirates. If you start yeah. wearing that eye patch, I will judge you. I'm not going to judge yeah. you for the beads <laughs> and the beard. I think they're cool. He goes and specifically gets them done. You got them done at sandals, right? Yeah, every every single time I go, I always make a visit. the 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 spa on pri- on on site is called the Red Lane Spa, and now I've been to so many of those resorts multiple times. They remember me, so they know when I'm coming through the door. They know exactly what I'm looking for. And one day, just because if I have a big beard, the, the hair on me back uh, can give it a run for its money. Maybe I'll braid the hair on me back. But you, you just now, you stole my joke. I was about to say the only time I can do it is with my lower back hair right now because yeah. I'm losing my hair and I cannot grow a beard. So do you get the whole beard beat it up or just nah. the, the three or four strands that you got? Yeah, right now? Usually it's just the two strands. If you could you know, picture uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, that was how it happened. I was going to go do something, you know, uniquely Jamaican. And I was looking at pictures of of pirates and Captain Jack, and he has the two and the two braids off of his. I'm gonna reach out to my Jamaican. I'm gonna gonna reach out to my Jamaican friends and ask them if they think that Jack Sparrow was uniquely Jamaican. They're just like, yeah, yeah, sure, do it. That was that was Big Mike diversity. That comment of my uniquely Jamaican is Jack Sparrow from from the pirates rides. Yeah, he's not a bad pirate to follow. He might be my favorite pirate. So yeah. listen, I orig- the original plan was to do this while we were in Jamaica, but we, we weren't able to make it work. And one of my the inspiration to it all was that Mike brings a friend with him on these Big uh, Mike. gigs. Big Mike brings yeah. a friend with him on these gigs. And uh, he brought his friend Ed. And uh, I was told that uh, the chances of me getting Ed to come on this show were about as likely as the odds of the uh, Red Sox uh, sideline guy coming on the show. So He's doing it. I Tom bet. Karen is doing it. I texted him yesterday. <laughs> he said, next week we're doing it. All right. So I'll believe it when I see it. But it wasn't likely that I was going to be able to pull Ed into this. But I was out with Mike and Ed one of the nights, and we we closed down the bar but we were out back and we were we were reminiscing about their college program time. And I, right. w- I was able to put together that the the kid that was uh, coming and annoying me at the ESPN club on Disney's boardwalk was in the college program at the exact same time as Mike and Ed. he's referring to me. Yes. Yeah. Really? You yeah. were in the college program. I was in the, the college time? program around 2001. Yeah, me it too. was from like yeah. September same it wasn't a long one. I was in a long one. I was done in like January. I don't even remember. Me like too. All that I did time, just September yeah. of 2001 to January of 02. I worked Where'd at, you work? uh, I worked at interventions at Epcot center. I worked at Epcot as well. I worked at the Ima- uh, imagination Institute. I worked imagination. at the audience. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I worked big thing. We'd get a new like thing and it was just like, they had the robo dog, the Ibo, where you, you, you remember the robot dogs yep, that were yep. all the rage. And then it was yep. when Segway first came out. Mm-hmm. You had to mm-hmm. only certain people could be on the Segway. People would be riding around on the Segway. And it was a huge deal. Those Segways yes. at the time were like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, like you couldn't touch it. 
you couldn't touch it unless you're like <laughs> one of three to five people. And um, and then but my favorite thing that I did was I'd be at the information desk and I was just like a wise ass New England guy. I was right behind like what you walk by the ball. The first thing in left and right is interventions in the middle is the information desk. You see the information yeah. desk. And it was right when Terrell Owens um, pulled the if you remember on Monday Night Football, pulled the Sharpie out. And Sharpie, yep, I do remember that. So people yep. would come up. Epcot's a uh, effing circle like and people get lost there and it just drives me <laughs> off the wall. It's a circle and people come up with this map of a circle and be like, I'm trying to get to France. And first I'd be like, well, turn around, get on I-4, go to the airport and get a plane. <laughs> friend. Everyone be like, ah, but then I would take their map and I would just draw every way you could get there by a circle. <laughs> and I just drew lines all over their map and would hand it back to them. And they'd be like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And then they not, would come up to me with the list of events that were happening that day. And they'd be like, what time is the three 30 parade at? And I'd be like, it's not just a clever name and would <laughs> just like walk away from them. But this is big Mike. You, you will, did you wear those stupid pins? I did. Yes. I was not, I didn't wear the lanyard, but uh, no, occasionally I did wear the lanyard. If you were out front of the attraction, there was a, a, a lanyard that you could do the pin trading. I was not a pin trader myself, but yeah, when you're working, I was on the clock. So I wore a lanyard and I traded some pins. I wore it for a week and then I refused to do it because three to five people. I love Disney World. Okay. I love Disney World. The people who go to Disney World are psychopaths. Like I go to Disney World, but I am not a psychopath. Um, People would come up behind me as I'm talking to someone <laughs> grab the lanyard and pull it back and I'd be like what the I like I flipped out on a person was like don't ever do that to anyone ever again and they'd be like what about Disney I was like I don't care about Disney like don't <laughs> ever grab like they grabbed me it's three to five times it happened in like a week week and a half and then I was just told my boss like I'm never wearing these again never because these pins so if you work at Disney World they give you these pins and you're supposed to trade pins most of them are worth like two to three dollars but yeah. like there's two in every park that people are wearing they don't know except the crazy disney people that are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars like there's only it's like baseball card there's only one of one of these pins and so these people are on like a quest the to find that pen. Stitch. yeah and so sometimes people are only there for the pins and like i said they would just grab the lanyard and like try to rip it the whole thing like rip it off your neck and just steal it and i'd be like all right we're all done with this <laughs> yeah I, I never understood that particular fascination but i do remember it was it was the rage when we were working there it was and it's still a thing i, I, still, I still see people doing it but i never got it but okay where did you live in the disney program this is what i want i lived at uh vista way you live in vista lay vista yeah. lay at the time when not we for were me there. but yeah yeah <laughs> vista lay at the time was the it was like voted by playboy magazine the third easiest place to get laid for 20 year olds in uh 20 year old males in uh in, in america and the other two were like arizona state and that's a true story yeah something else 100 wow, percent before doing this interview i didn't really think it was possible to feel any worse about myself <laughs> but somehow through radio magic jeff taylor and mike o'brien made it happen we uh, brought it we brought listen if something right. terrible happens to me tonight don't blame yourself <laughs> don't blame yourself well i worked at chatham and very rarely uh saw boobs so don't you worry about that i i did that's not okay. take make the 
most of I had a lot of friends uh, that I'm such a nice guy at uh, Chatham. We had this guy living across from me and my roommate, Sam, uh, that this guy turned out we found his his license. He was like 50 years old. He <laughs> would tell us that he, he used to be a middle linebacker for Penn State and that he was in the mob and all this stuff. And he was insane. People would live with him for like two days and then like the man to and he was like creepy. He would like stand in his window and just naked and just stand in the window. And the good dude was like a psychopath. And I, I think he ended up getting kicked out, which is crazy because they're just itching to kick people out of this thing. Yeah. Like I, you got I kicked out if you time. farted in public at this thing. Yeah. And this guy, like he must have known someone, something happened where they're like, we can't kick this guy out. And he was, oh, my, like he has to be in jail and or dead right now. The, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was, he was juiced in. He was somehow juiced in and they couldn't get rid of. What is your what is your favorite uh, college program memory of just like insanity that happened there? Because there is just crazy stuff. Did you ever go there to was, any of the Norway parties? No, I, I really I mean, I'm not a party animal and I wasn't then I, I did try to break out of my shell as much as I possibly could. Uh, my friends were very supportive and trying to explain, I, you know, I didn't go away to college and they were like, this is the going away to college experience. Yeah, that's without having too. to go to classes. Yeah. And it just it's not my personality, so I couldn't really gauge into it. And uh, but there I did. I did grow up a little bit and I did have some some fun times. There was this one time and we told Jeff this story when we were when we were down there because Ed, who was one of my roommates, who then became really close friends with that was the best man at his wedding. I'm godfather to one of his daughters. Uh, so I was able to, to create some good friendships out of that. But there was this one night that Ed had gone out drinking and he came back to the room and you could tell that he was kind of blasted. And he said, oh, I'm going back out. But, you know, we were like, yeah, you don't yeah, go out. Like, we thought maybe you should like, just go lay down because he was he was already really, really gone. So he left the house about two hours later. Me and my buddy Pete, another one of the roommates, is, we're sitting on the, in the living room watching TV and the front door swings open just after it was the only person who left. But the front door just swung open. He never closed the door properly. And he just sat down in like a folding chair right outside our door on the balcony. He didn't go anywhere and he was out cold. He was sleeping and the door swings open and me and Peter are like what? And then we get a sense of what's going on. So we decide to dump a bucket of water over his head uh, to wake him up. And we videotaped it. That video. Yes, tape does I watched the video in Jamaica. It was. Yeah, it, it was. And that is that's one of those memories that you know, forever. We're always going to think about that. I'm happy we do have it on video because it was, and like, to me, that was, that was it. I didn't need any crazy Norway parties or, uh, I didn't need to have, have, uh, you know, relations with many women. Just kidding. I, I would have greatly more, rather <laughs> this is I would have preferred that experience than dumping water on poor Ed's head. Now. Um, I don't, I don't know what it's like there now, but when I was there, um, basically, if you ever go to Disney World, whoever's operating that ride, if they're from the age, they're either it's either college kids there who just have been drinking for 24 straight hours and are probably still drunk as they're operating these rides uh, and probably slept with each other uh, and everyone that they worked with. <laughs> and then uh, or it's like 
a 45 year old guy with a PhD degree who spent years and years in college and just realized, I just want to work at Disney world. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. Like, yeah, what? Those too. It's, yeah. Fu- it's funny because hey. I hear all these chaotic stories about how the college program, everybody's getting laid and going crazy, but everybody that I know that was in the college program, that is not the story they tell. Really? Well, you oh. need much better, better looking, cool people to talk to that. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not that good looking, but I am uh, a drunk. So yeah, <laughs> I would, I, we would just be drunk all the time. And if, if anyone is listening to this of the dozens and dozens of listeners of the Michael Bryan show, if anyone is listening to this has a kid or is a kid thinking of doing it, you do it. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, I just ended up staying. I lived in Orlando for like three, four years after that. I liked it. I, I would 100 out of 100 recommend doing the Disney college program. It's a lot of fun. me too. I, I second that. I almost did stay. Uh, I, I auditioned to be a character actor at that point. I, I actually did lose a lot of weight when I was down on the program as well. One of the few times that I lost a lot of weight and I was ready. I was, I just, they were going to put me in costume and I had been doing so much character work just as working the attraction. I was like, eh, I don't really want to put a, a costume on and do this. I just wanted to go somewhere so I could be, more me and that's why i ended up leaving and never going back hey, it my all friend kevin out. was that jeff i'm sorry it all worked out for him yeah <laughs> my friend jeff became a character he stayed he became a character he was also the first guy in those five-hour energy commercials you know the does it seem like <laughs> yeah 5 30 or whatever 2 30 guy he was in that but my favorite thing about the disney we we're talking about the food earlier you're saying about subway there was that cafeteria behind the um speed track or raced whatever the hell it's called the the ride yeah. there the racetrack the indie speedway yeah. yeah whatever it's called no that was at Ep- at epcot there was oh, whatever, oh, test, oh, track. test track test, test track. track there you go okay right behind yeah, yeah, test yeah, track yeah. well there's two things one you'd walk there and there was like a janitor's closet but it was by the entrance and so we would get dressed out of our little stupid spacesuit thing that we had silver vests and we'd walk there and sometimes people would start lining up behind the janitor's closet and they'd wait for four or five people to just random people to line up behind them. And then we would leave and we'd go to the back and then people <laughs> would just be standing in line at a janitor's closet and they had no idea what they were standing in line for. But my other favorite thing was going to that cafeteria. There's so many people that work there. And so you'd be in line waiting for to cash out and you would grab like a slice of pizza and like a turkey sandwich or something. And by the time you got there, I would have to be like, oh, I have this Coke and this cookie because <laughs> I just ate all the food in line <laughs> and never paid for it. And then I just be like, oh, I got a fountain drink. And then they're like, OK, $1.50. Meanwhile, I had a whole lunch while standing in line and never paid for it. I love that. That's, well, I'm really, a thief. I'm a thief. Yeah, you're th- I remember doing that in college. I don't remember doing it. I think. To be honest with you, they paid so little, uh, and I, I feel like I—I I I think I rarely like went out and bought a lunch. I, I think I might have probably brought food, or I was starving myself. Or I told you I lost weight. The the Maybe one that thing that I was doing it. Yeah, the one thing that the biggest thing that sucked about it. I wonder what they get paid now, but they would take the money you had, so they paid you minimum wage and then you'd have to pay like a hundred something like it was basically like five to six hundred bucks a week depending upon how many roommates you had for rent for these little dorms it was basically like college dorms they put you in yeah and so like it was the equivalent once you finally got your check you'd work 40 something plus hours and you get a check for like 98 dollars and you'd be like thanks and then that was all your money you had 
for uh, the the week, which is yes, you don't. So you make you make no money, but it's yeah. a lot of fun. It was, and I you rack up a get a credit card, rack that up. Yeah, right. It was a good time. I'm happy I did it, and I think something from that experience impacts every day in some way, shape, or form. And it does really it, it means something when you say you used to work for Disney. It's like a frat. It still does. It's literally yeah. like a frat. If you go for a job, I've gone to job interviews where like you did a Disney college program. I did a Disney college program and I, I don't know if I would get, I never got the job, but that still is like, you got it's some of them because you've had 8,000 jobs. That is true. I probably have gotten some because of that. That is true. Now, um, now big Mike was talking about how he, his claim to fame is he made the feast sandwich at uh, subway and sat in milk and ended up on tonight show. My yeah. claim to fame, and uh, I've added to it is I've been on the Boston local news uh, over 20 times in the past three to five years. I, I've lost track of how many times, but I'm going to say if there's an over under, I'm going to say over 15 times, easily over 15 times in the past up to five years. Are and you like I, on a crime spree or something? And you're just uh, the guy they're looking for. No, but people are now accusing me of setting these things up because for the <laughs> second time in four years, a building collapsed on my street <laughs> once uh, three, four years ago. It was next door. And today it was right across the street. A building collapsed. And I was I was not at my apartment. I was at my lady friend's apartment and I was driving her to work. And there was like all the streets were, were cut off. And we looked it up and they said, oh, a building collapsed on. It was Fleet Street, but it's on the corner of Fleet in North Street. I'm on North Street. And so I hurriedly drive her to the Peru, come back. There's there's cameras everywhere. And I just go up and I'm like, does anyone want to? Uh, I, uh, I live right next door. Does anyone uh, want to interview me? And this guy starts interviewing me and just asking me questions. And like, did you hear it? I was like, yeah, I thought it just sounded like a, 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 a big truck unloading things. You just kind of heard a bang. I wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. And, uh, and then as this guy's interviewing me, every single station, I'm so pissed that no one was there. Every single camera and microphone was in front of me. Like I was the head of the fire department explaining what was going on. There's no picture of this. And I really wish there was. It would have been an amazing picture. Um, but I I was on two stations at noon and I we're at 430 right now. I'm going to have to rush over to my lady friends to get the DVR all set up to get the rest of them. I'm going to be on every single news station <laughs> tonight. And I was just putting together my sizzle reel of all my news clips. And it's uh, right now before tonight happens, two and a half minutes of me on the local news. It's it's I, so, I can't if this, if this doesn't blow up when we put this online later tonight or tomorrow, I'm just quitting. I'm so, never trying to be internet famous. I don't. I honestly, I internet famous. You you missed an opportunity, I guess, because when I, you know, I work the NBA finals every year, and the NBA finals were in Boston this year, and Mike went. I thought more viral than he must have because it was. The, it was I got pretty viral. With yeah, that. yeah, he he got into an argument. Mike Mike O'Brien drives the Duck Tour. Well, I don't drive. I talk. Oh, but yeah. he's the he, he's he's the he's not the allowed to drive. <laughs> and he got into an argument with Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr from the duck <laughs> boat, and there there was video of it, and it went pretty viral. Yeah, that oh, one awesome. that was all over the place, and there were so many. I actually I've, I've like looked back because you know when you're not like friends with someone on Twitter, it goes into like your requests or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I I I like. 
month or two later, like figured out that there was this folder and I clicked it and it was like every national news organization was just like, we want to interview you. Like I was going to be like, it was someone from good morning America. And like, <laughs> I was like, and I missed it because it, it went to the wrong file. <laughs> and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but they did do a local, like three minute story on me. The man, Eli from, um, from uh, NBC 10 did a, a three minute thing and, and we're, we're uh, BFFs now. So during the, the playoffs, I'll get interviewed again. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, I'm very looking forward to uh, the sizzle reel drop. And I've I've dropped other sizzle reels, but uh, this is going to be it. This is the one that's going to send me over the top. Really I'm excited, excited about see it. it. Yeah, yeah. Follow me, Michael B five nine. Everyone, the dozens and that's dozens of listeners that are Michael already following B59, me. Michael B five nine, dude. You got to come up with something better than that. My name's Michael Bryan. My high school football number was fifty nine. I don't know what else. I, every be. time I have to type your email in to send you the link to do the show, I've got to put in Michael B59, and I can barely remember it. How gotta, can you we gotta not figure, remember Michael B5? That's the other thing. It's I, very easy to remember. That's what I'm saying, though. we got to come up with something more memorable for you, for your That handle. is memorable. Mike OB59. How is that not memorable? I guess you're right. It I'll is never very forget memorable. it now after this conversation. It's big Mike. In. What is your, uh, what is your, as we're wrapping up here, what is your, so you have social media, what, where, where can we find you Buy the book, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can uh, follow me uh, at the feast man, uh, the feast man uh, on the Instagram. So I think I have a TikTok as well. And you could get the book and yourself a t-shirt at break the scale.com. Well, uh, we will definitely check all of those things out big mike uh sangiamo thank you so much we'll definitely uh have you on again that was a, a, a lot of fun great stories about the of that sandwich thing is pretty pretty amazing jeff taylor um thank you once again for everything you do i will be down in florida i will be uh visiting my mom in fort myers but um march 16th i will be in orlando florida going to the uh the tournament ncaa tournament so i'm really excited about that get to see jeff get to see the wife get to see the daughter that will be fun uh, all over the place jeff do you have anything else to add before we leave uh not really i don't do anything yeah, i'm not do. known for anything i don't do anything what, what do you oh, want actually to promote, jeff? i I, I, I'm, I will be found in in mexico very soon are you going on that trip mike Yes, I am. Yes, I'll see I am. You in Mexico, bro. So wait, 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 wait. We have we have before this Zoom uh, clocks out. We have eight minutes fifty nine seconds. Real quick. How, now, what is this? So someone just says, "Hey, go to exotic locations and do your radio show." Actually, I'll plug so, it. I'll plug it. Jaw Media you do Marketing. It? Yeah. Jaw Media Marketing. And how do I get free trips to Mexico? Get better on the radio, bro. Damn it! That's not going to happen. <laughs> Well, believe I believe you could do it. Yeah, thank I, you. I, I, as I told Mike when I first met him, I said you could definitely do this. You have to do it. You got to do it. If I believe, I will end up in Belize. Apparently, <laughs> you get that because Belize is tropical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. With that, that, I think we'll leave. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the dozens and dozens of listeners of the Mike O'Brien show. Of course, I want us to thank big Mike Sangiamo. Uh, visit everything he has to offer. Of course, Jeff Taylor. And once again, all of you, thank you so much for listening. We love you all equally and ta-ta for now. 